morning. Um, I think I've met most of you now, um, but my name is Sarah Gregory. As Emily said, I am the adult discipleship pastor at Meredith Drive Reformed Church in Des Moines, and I have the honor of stepping in for Aaron today while he's away. I hope that the students have a great time at Rocky. We've got a group from our church that's there as well, so I think we were praying for Rocky as well at Meredith Drive this morning. Um, I love preaching in different churches because I'm able to preach about the things that I'm most passionate about, and you guys aren't tired of hearing it from me yet. And so um, today I get to preach on one of my favorite passages from the book of Luke. And before we start, uh, why don't we pray? God, we love you. We are drawn to your kindness and your radical compassion in this season. And we know that your purpose in every space is to seek and save those of us who are feeling lost. And so in all of the places in our lives where we feel lost today, where we feel forgotten or confused or misunderstood or hopeless, would you find us and save us again today? And for those who are outside of our walls, outside of our churches who feel lost, would you keep giving us compassion and opening doors for us to show your hospitality and your love? In Jesus' name, amen. So the story that we're going to look at today Maybe familiar to many of you, it's a story of Zacchaeus. And if you're like me and everyone that I talked to this week, it's hard to not start singing the Sunday school song about Zacchaeus the minute you hear his name. And I thought about starting the sermon by singing, but I figured since you don't actually know me, that'd probably be a bad idea. Um, that's not the first impression that I wanted to make. Um, it's It would be awkward for all of us, right? And not only would it be awkward, but the things that you might know about Zacchaeus from the song, like that he was a wee little man are maybe not the most important details to know about Zacchaeus. And so I want to paint a new picture for you this morning. I want to give you a little bit of important background before we jump into this and give you a picture of maybe how the first readers of this story would have viewed Zacchaeus. So you know in Disney movies or animated TV shows where they make it like really obvious who you're supposed to like and who you're supposed to hate going in. Like in Aladdin, you've got Jafar with his like really creepy pointed facial hair and he like walks around with a, a snake staff, right? Like he is not to be trusted. Or you've got villains and things that are dressed in all black and then they've got like the organ creepy dissonant theme music that comes on when they're on the screen. Um, you're following me, right? You have a predisposition to these people before they do anything. And that's the way that the readers of Luke are going to feel about Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector and he's really rich. So he is for sure going to be the bad guy in the story. Because in Luke's gospel, it's often the case that anytime someone is rich, they just don't respond well to Jesus. Before this story, Jesus has told everyone it's easier for a rich person to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. In Luke, particularly, rich people have chosen money over Jesus and have neglected the needs of the poor people around them. That's how they're painted in pretty much every story in the book of Luke. And additionally, even outside of Luke and the other gospels, in this time period, tax collectors uh, were really hated by everyone because they were employed by Rome to gather taxes from the people. But the way that they made money then was to charge much more than what Rome had asked for and keep the extra money for themselves. And they could set any price, right, to take the money. So they were generally thought of as liars and thieves, and they were not trusted by the people. So knowing that background, here are the first two verses of Luke 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector 
and was very wealthy. So right from the start, right, the readers of Luke are going to think that this guy is going to be the bad guy. He is at best to be viewed with suspicion, and at worst, he's going to be hated. But we'll see later in this story that the reaction of the crowds, that this is not just the readers. It was everyone in the story thought Zacchaeus was supposed to be the bad guy. And that is what makes Jesus' encounter with him so beautiful and so unexpected. So let's read that whole, the whole passage, Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up, looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I need to stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed Jesus gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus is passing through this region, Jericho, on his way to Jerusalem. And this is actually the last encounter that Jesus has before entering Jerusalem for the last time before he is killed. And in this crucial time, Jesus chooses to stay at the house of the town villain. And if you'll notice, Jesus makes this choice before Zacchaeus has done anything to change. Literally all Zacchaeus has done at this point in the story is to be curious enough to climb a tree. There's no indication that Zacchaeus intends to change his lifestyle, no indication that he intends to follow Jesus. He was just curious. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And apparently, that's all it takes for Jesus to pursue him. Zacchaeus didn't push his way through the crowds towards Jesus like some people in the Bible. He didn't holler out. He didn't come to the synagogue. He didn't ask questions like people in other stories in the Gospels did. He just climbed a distant tree so that he could look, but not have to be in the midst of the people that despised him. So that he could see Jesus, but not have to actually interact with him or talk with him, not have to have his heart exposed. Because when you're unsure how people are going to respond to you, or how Jesus will respond to you, it's a lot easier to climb a distant tree and create some space than it is to enter a conversation. It's easier to sit in the back and duck out quickly than engage in small talk. It's easier to read and watch things from your laptop than get tangled up in a crowd or to get tangled up in prayer. And I find myself, like Zacchaeus, often being curious from a safe distance. This is not, I am not immune from this, right? I um, went and lived in California for a couple years when I was doing my seminary degree um, and finishing grad school. And when I lived out in California, I climbed a lot of trees, not literally, obviously, because palm trees are really hard to climb. Um, but I observed from the sidelines. I sat in the back of church by myself. I listened in on meetings at the seminary on topics like why young people are leaving the church and 
Christian engagement or non-engagement in the Black Lives Matter movement or Christian participation in Hollywood, right? Like there were these big conversations happening and I was curious, but I rarely said anything. And in all of those conversations, I know that part of me was just trying to see who Jesus was and what his followers were talking about, what they were doing, but I didn't want to actually engage because I was afraid of the response of the crowds and watching from a metaphorical tree, right? Felt safer. And for a while, even my relationship with God happened from the safe safe distance of theological concepts or within the bounds of classroom assignments or within the bounds of uh, ministry in my life, right? It was was still separate. Um, And Jesus, in some of these spaces, would come up to me in different ways and try to calm me down from the tree, right? And I would often look back and say, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm good. <laughs> I'm really good from here, Jesus. Who knows what would happen if I climbed down? Who knows what would happen if I tried to pray right now? Who knows what would happen if you came and stayed at my house? We all, I think, climb trees with different intentions. Uh, But for Zacchaeus, his climb seems to be motivated by some kind of curiosity. He wanted to see who Jesus was, and the Holy Spirit prompted Jesus to see the curiosity behind the climb. That small amount of curiosity was all Jesus needed to go up to Zacchaeus. And if you'll notice in the story, Jesus does not start his conversation with Zacchaeus by preaching at him. He does not start his conversation by addressing the probable injustice that Zacchaeus had participated in. Jesus doesn't label Zacchaeus or call him out. He doesn't make sure that everyone knows that he knows what camp Zacchaeus is in. Jesus begins by inviting Zacchaeus into a relationship. I mentioned the Zacchaeus song before, right? And the more I read and study this story, the more beef I have with the song. Because for those of you who know it, right? In the song, Jesus approaches Zacchaeus in the tree and the tone of the song completely changes, right? You put on your most grumpy, forceful voice and you speak for for Jesus and you say, Zacchaeus, you come down. And I've got to tell you, that is just not the Jesus that I know. The Jesus that I know and the Jesus that's described in this story is a man who is full of kindness and he pursues the man in the tree with really gracious intentions, not to call him out, not to heap obligations on him. Jesus goes out of his way to find the one that everyone else was avoiding, to save him, to bring him freedom. So two of the kind of trees, if you will, that I climb the most often, or the ways that I try to keep myself safe in a lot of situations are first by trying to please everyone, because if you please everyone, then you won't get called out on things. People won't be mad at you. Um, And the other is by trying to do everything perfectly, right? To be above reproach. Like, Like if I work hard enough and I just like think through every detail of my theology of how I'm going to live this out, then then no one will be able to critique it, right? Let me tell you, in living out both of those things, there are all kinds of sins of pride and fear and judgment of other people that come along with living out of those things. 
And one of the first times that I recognized Jesus trying to call me down from those attempts at self-protection and into relationship with him was in college. It came through a lot of voices. It came through my aunt and uncle who invited me into their home for meals and asked about my week and how I was doing and dug into some of the messier pieces of that that I don't usually share. It came uh, through a mentor who insisted that Jesus wanted to actually care for me and love me even when I stopped doing things for other people. It came through times of prayer when Jesus repeatedly led me to Bible verses and songs about rest and peace and dependence instead of over-functioning to try to protect myself. When Jesus walked up to my tree that I was hiding in, he had every right, right? He's Jesus. He had every right to condemn my sin of pride and self-sufficiency, but that's not what he did. He spoke kindly to me and invited me to rest. He invited me into a relationship with him, just like he did for Zacchaeus. And I think Jesus is pursuing every person in this room with that kindness. No one is the exception to that rule. See, readers and Luke at this point might start to think that they've got it figured out. They might think, okay, so the rich people are the bad guys, and Jesus stays close to the poor, and he's always coming down hard on the rich. Because honestly, in Luke, that is the case most of the time. But as his last act before heading to Jerusalem to be killed for the sake of every person, Jesus makes it clear that no human is written off by God. No person is unwanted. No person is unnecessary. No person is to be treated like garbage, whether they have participated in injustice, whether they have been stuck in a cycle of addiction, whether they have been estranged from their family, whether they are prostitutes or thieves, Democrats or Republicans, penniless or millionaires, Jesus has come to pursue every person with kindness. Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. That's what he says in this story, no matter who the lost are. So Jesus walked straight up to the tree that Zacchaeus had climbed up into, and he extended an invitation. Not only that, what struck me as I was prepping for this sermon today was that Jesus takes a position of humility and dependence and vulnerability. He basically says, hey, come out of your tree. I, I need a place to stay tonight. Can I stay with you? Jesus does not, as the song implies, take a position of power over Zacchaeus. He puts himself at the mercy of Zacchaeus' response and Zacchaeus' hospitality. And if you want to talk later about the implications of that for our discipleship, hit me up. <laughs> I'm going to skip that part for now, not go down that rabbit trail. But Jesus extends an invitation to relationship before Zacchaeus says he's going to change anything he's doing. He doesn't wait for Zacchaeus to return a bunch of money to people before desiring his company. He doesn't wait for people to start coming to church before he starts pursuing them. Jesus doesn't wait for people to adopt a certain statement of beliefs before he opens his arms and his grace and his life to them. Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. So what's interesting then in this passage is the idea of saving and salvation. If Jesus has come to seek and save the lost, what does that actually mean? What is he saving them from and what is he saving them to? 
I think it's important to understand that on some level, when salvation is talked about in scripture, it always has a big picture definition, right? Jesus is always about saving us from the effects of sin so that we can experience the fullness of joy that comes with being united with God for eternity, right? That is a piece of salvation that is always in the picture. But in this passage, I think that there are some other implications of salvation as well. Because you see, Zacchaeus had encountered the kindness and the meekness and the pursuit of Jesus, and something changed. Not only did he climb down from his tree, not only did he surrender his safe distance from the crowds, he was actually motivated to change his behavior. And I don't know that repentance and salvation are very deeply different concepts in this passage. See, part of the thing with sin is that it doesn't just corrupt ourselves and our insides. It doesn't just separate us from God. It also starts tangibly affecting relationships and systems and structures, and it starts a domino effect of decay and mistrust. It makes us build walls of self-protection that separate us from other people. Have we seen this or what in the past year? Sin motivates us to climb our trees and stay at safe distances. And so we end up far away from each other and unable to see each other well enough to reconcile and rebuild. And it's just a vicious cycle, right? So when Jesus proclaims in this story, today salvation has come to this house, I think part of what he means is that the acts of repentance, of giving back the money he had stolen, had, become, had begun a current reality type of salvation in this community. Zacchaeus started moving back towards people that it would have been easier to keep moving away from. Surely the acts of returning money to those he had wronged would begin to build bridges And perhaps he would be restored in some ways to a community he had been estranged from in his role as tax collector. Perhaps this repentance and change that included even financial resources and moving towards people was one of the ways that Jesus was saving Zacchaeus. I am friends with a few people who've struggled with various kinds of addictions and have participated in 12-step programs that would help restore sanity to their lives. And in any form of addiction, it's easy to see how the patterns harm more than just the addicted person, right? Shame becomes pervasive, and shame leads people to cover things up and lie, and those lies hurt other people, and relationships are damaged, and it just gets so messy so fast. And part of the 12-step program for recovery is that you begin to make amends to the people who have been harmed by your addiction. If you've stolen money, you return it. If you've broken trust, you start the process of showing that you are now trustworthy, right? This process of acting differently in many cases starts to restore what has been damaged. And it seems like that is part of what's going on in this story with Zacchaeus. Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost, But this salvation does not just have implications for eternity. It has implications for the present. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. And Jesus showed him. Jesus is kind. Jesus is a friend. Jesus keeps company with sinners. And he does not shy away from the people that society rejects. 
That is who Jesus is. And that experience of Jesus led Zacchaeus to start rethinking everything. He rethought his relationship to the people around him. He rethought the ways that he had distanced himself from Jesus and from his community. And he changed. And that change brought transformation to his relationships. It brought transformation in Zacchaeus and it brought a type of salvation to the whole community. And bridges of trust that had been burned were being rebuilt. I wonder if you have any bridges of trust that need to be rebuilt. All of this happened because Jesus initiated a conversation with a villainized man in a tree. And Jesus is initiating these conversations with every person in this room today because Jesus is still coming to seek and to save the lost. And friends, as Christians, we are always in the position of both Zacchaeus and Jesus. We are Zacchaeus because we are always climbing trees. Even those of us who've been following Jesus for a long time have the urge to stay at a safe distance. Maybe we have been hurt by the crowds on the way to see Jesus. Maybe we've tried to pray or tried to be vulnerable with God and felt like he didn't listen or speak. Maybe we have put distance between ourselves and others. We are like Zacchaeus because we always need Jesus to keep calling us back down. We always need Jesus to keep reinviting himself into our homes. But we as believers filled with the Holy Spirit are also called to be representatives of Jesus. We have the privilege to get to be the voice of Jesus in some spaces, calling other people down from their trees. We, like Jesus, are to go pursuing those that society avoids, to move towards people that it would be easier to move away from. We are called to go to seek and save the lost. And perhaps today we need to be reminded that the seeking and the saving does not need to be overthought. Look in the trees around you, right? Look in the cubicles and the neighboring houses and the stands of Little League games. Or look for the young people who are standing alone at the back of the sanctuary. Look for the addicts, the single parents, or the ones who seem to have it all together. The trees are full of people that are hungry for the kindness and the hospitality of Jesus. The trees are full of people who long for salvation to come to their daily lives. And so as you go today, be blessed in the ways that you, like Zacchaeus, are still in need of the pursuit of Jesus. Be aware of the places in your lives where you have chosen distance over nearness. And know that Jesus comes to you. He has come for you with kindness and with an invitation to relationship. And as you go, may your eyes be open to the ways that you are, like Christ, called to extend hospitality and offer people invitations to relationship with kindness. Would you pray with me?